Hello, this is Robert Nathanson. Welcome to this week's Research Minutes, the CPRI Knowledge Hub's weekly podcast featuring interviews with researchers about the latest work being done in the field to help improve education. This week, I speak with Joshua Goodman, Associate Professor of Public Policy at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, about his study, Intensive College Counseling and the Enrollment and Persistence of Low-Income Students. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Just off the bat, I was wondering if you could describe the focus of your study. The focus of the study is to ask what role college guidance counselors or high school guidance counselors can play in students' decisions about whether to go to college and which college to pick. There's not a lot of evidence about this. Across the U.S., we employ tens of thousands of high school guidance counselors. They tend to be overworked. They have hundreds of students apiece on average. And so we turn to a local organization here in Massachusetts called Bottom Line. Bottom Line is a nonprofit that specializes in providing low-income and first-generation students in Boston, other cities in Massachusetts, and, and other locations across the country with guidance counselors who focus on a relatively small number of students at a time. And so that's the focus of our study, is to see whether those counselors make a difference in whether the kids go off to college and where they choose to go to college. What helps distinguish this specific piece of research from previous work in the area? I think there are two things. One is that there just isn't a lot of good research on whether college counseling and and high quality advice to students can change their decisions about the college choice. So that's one contribution the study makes. The other is that we're looking at a very particular model, which is uh, an organization that assigns to each student a counselor who spends many hours guiding that student through all aspects of the college enrollment application enrollment process. Um, And one of the things that distinguishes Bottom Line's model is that the organization is intent on guiding students toward colleges that have a good track record of graduating their students Mm -hmm. and of not forcing students to incur a lot of debt. So Bottom Line is interested in counseling students not just to go to any college, but to go to colleges that we think are going to, in the end, yield good outcomes for the students themselves. You've done this a little bit already, but I was wondering if you could elaborate and could you explain how Bottom Line's advising program worked, both for the high school access program component as well as the college success component? Bottom Line employs a number of counselors. Each counselor ends up being assigned to something on the order of 30 high school students. They have two distinct programs. One is a program that is uh, helping students who are in high school through the college application and choice process. So there the counselors are working with the students to figure out what set of colleges they might be interested in applying to, to work through the uh, filling out of financial aid forms, and ultimately to make whatever choice the student has uh, to make. That's one program called the Access Program. The Success Program is a a related but slightly different program uh, that kicks in once the student ends up on a college campus. And their bottom line's counselors work on college campuses where there is a critical mass of these students to help them navigate their time in college, to help them think about how do you select coursework, how do you uh, find academic support when you need it, et cetera. So two different aspects. One is how do you get into college, and the other is once you're there, how do you stay there and succeed? For a general audience, could you explain what is a regression discontinuity design? So our goal in this study was to provide some rigorous evidence about 
what would happen if you take two identical students and offer one of them college counseling? The problem is, of course, that students who seek out college counseling or who have good counselors on average are pretty different from the ones who don't. And so we took advantage of a feature of Bottom Line's application process. So Bottom Line is an, a voluntary program. Students apply. But it turns out Bottom Line wants to give its, its, its limited counseling resources to students who it thinks are best prepared to succeed in college. And so they have a, a high school GPA cutoff as part of the eligibility criteria for uh, being assigned a counselor. And so what we did is we took all the students who applied to Bottom Line and we ended up comparing the students whose GPAs were just above that threshold and therefore were eligible to get a Bottom Line counselor to students whose GPAs were just below that threshold. Those two sets of students are on average very, very similar human beings except that one set was given access to this high quality college counseling and the other didn't have that. And so that's how we make the comparisons that we make and are confident that whatever differences we see in outcomes are driven by the counseling and not by things about the students themselves that were different to begin with. This program had some really interesting findings. The program seemed to be highly effective at steering students towards lower cost four-year institutions with higher average graduation rates. Could you elaborate? So it was interesting in our study that, that, as I said, bottom line has a very specific goal. It's not only to get kids to go to college, but to get them to go to colleges that where they look like they'll have a good chance of succeeding and not incurring a lot of debt. And so bottom line has a list of colleges that it thinks are particularly effective and, and low cost and, low, uh, and high graduation rate that it thinks serves low-income students well. It also has a list of colleges whose track record worries the organization. And so what we found in our study was that the counseling did seem effective at steering students toward these low-cost, high-graduation rate institutions that have a good track record of succeeding with students generally and with the first-generation or low-income population that Bottom Line serves. Did you see the effectiveness of the program vary by income status, race and ethnicity, or other demographic characteristics? I'll start by saying that Bottom Line's target population that it works with are generally either low-income students or first-generation or both. In that sense, there isn't a lot of heterogeneity in income and family background. What I will say is we saw, if anything, bigger impacts on students whose first language wasn't English, which we took as a potential suggestion that the complexity of the college admissions process is particularly challenging for students coming from uh, other countries and for whom the, the jargon in a lot of these forms is particularly opaque. My co-author, Ben Castleman, and, an, and another researcher, Andrew Barr, have done follow-up work with the Bottom Line Organization that suggests that their program seems to be effective across a wide range of student characteristics, and so uh, it's, it seems a pretty generally impressive uh, program. The program appears to have strongly influenced which college a student chose to attend, but did not appear as much to shift students' decisions on whether or not to attend any post-secondary institution. And I was wondering if you could speak to those results. We found, as you said, that Bottom Line's counselors did encourage students to move, uh, to, to enroll in these lower cost, high graduation rate colleges at higher rates than before. Some of that was coming from uh, students who otherwise would have enrolled in a different set of colleges that might not have had as high graduation rates, for example. So I take this as a, as a big plus. Uh, we have increasing amounts of research that the quality of a 
a college that a student starts out at makes a big difference for their potential to graduate from that institution. The nature of our study uh, meant that uh, we couldn't say with a lot of precision whether or not overall college enrollment rates were shifted. It's great that you were able to follow students through several years of post-secondary enrollment. Could you discuss what you found for the impact of the program on college persistence? So one of the concerns people have about a lot of interventions designed to get students to enroll in college is that we worry that the student who is pushed into college to enrolling if they weren't going to do it on their own, may not be able to succeed. And if we follow them for a while, they'll just drop out of college. And, and no one wants that. No one wants to push students into college only to have them drop out, incur debt, and not end up with a college degree. So we were able to follow students for a few years in this study, not all the way through the end of potential graduation, just because not enough time has passed. But what we found was that bottom lines intervention not only get students onto these campuses, but they seem to persist at fairly high rates through the end of the first, second, and even into the, the third year. And uh, we take that as a, as a sign that, though we can't be sure, that it may be that that second program, the success program that helps support the students once they're on campus, is helping them navigate the challenges of, of being on a college campus for the first time. You described the, that the cost effectiveness of the program is in the middle of the range of other interventions in this area. How should such cost considerations be incorporated into a discussion of your findings and education interventions more generally? I think the reason we care about cost is that we know that public budgets in education are finite. And so the question is, what's the best way that we can use the education dollars we have to improve the outcomes we care about. And so hiring guidance counselors is not an inexpensive proposition. Whenever you have to pay new or additional employees to work with students, salaries are, are not trivial costs to public budgets. But what we found is that given the salaries that the college counselors were being paid in this program and the number of students they were serving, that on balance it seemed like this was a relatively cost-effective intervention and one that what we think is probably scalable. Bottom line has actually been expanding and there's no reason to think that you couldn't in other cities and locations around the country hire young people recently out of college who are capable of advising new generations of high school students about the college enrollment and, and persistence process. So my final question is about sort of lessons learned. What did you learn about best practices for these sorts of counseling programs that might be of interest to organizations operating in this space? Yeah, so I'll say a few things that have really impressed me about Bottom Line and its program. One is that they wanted them to go to colleges that they thought were going to, in the long run, pay off for these students. So that's one thing. They were being very thoughtful about which colleges they were helping students to explore. The second is um, they were, they're very thoughtful about realizing that just getting someone enrolled in college might not be enough and providing some additional support after that fact could be critical to their success, and so they viewed it as a two-stage process, both the application and the, and the support after enrollment. And then the third thing that deeply impresses me about the organization is that it is very open to self-evaluation. Mm. And what I mean by that is they actually came to us looking for someone to evaluate whether 
their program was having the impacts they hoped it was having. That is unusual for an organization. And they were very open to sharing any data we asked for and to the possibility that when you do a study like this, sometimes organizations are disappointed by the results because the result could be negative or it could just be that the program is ineffective. And so I was deeply impressed that this organization is so committed to the student population that it's serving that it really wants to know whether its model is working. And it was easier for us as researchers to show that it it was working, it would have been a harder relationship had that not been the case. But the point is they were open to the possibility that that wasn't the case. And, and as a result, were, um, were able to provide the data that could make for a truly rigorous study and not one whose conclusions were baked into the process. Thank you for listening to Research Minutes. To share your thoughts on this discussion, head to khconversations at cprehub.org. To subscribe to our weekly podcast and to listen to more interviews, head to SoundCloud. And for the latest videos, podcasts, and discussion updates, follow us at CPRI Hub on Twitter. We look forward to you joining the conversation.